Leviticus chapter 8 this morning. Leviticus chapter number 8 this morning. <clears throat> These lessons that we're doing, um, I believe that they're God sent in the sense that this is the subject matter that the Lord wants us to speak about. It's, it's difficult for our, our elementary classes, like today's lesson, the lesson on the priest. Believe it or not, next week's lesson, and again, we're doing an overview of the Pentateuch. The next week's lesson is the holiness of God's people. And when you're teaching first and second and third graders, sometimes that's very, very difficult uh, to do. But again, I know these are the lessons the Lord wants us to do, and I hope that they're a help to you. I'd like to, if God lets us, do an overview of the entire Bible. And again, an overview is simply that. It's just an overview. And so these first five books, you've, you've got about three or four lessons out of a lot of Leviticus. And of course, the uh, Pentateuch means five-volume set. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so we're kind of going overview. This particular lesson covers three chapters in the book of Leviticus, and it's on the priest. Now, church, I mean, this is a if I can say an easy parallel to us as Christians because we believe in the, what we call the priesthood of the believer, all right? The Bible calls us kings and priests. Once you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you're going to live and reign with him and we've got direct access to our heavenly father. And so this morning, I wanna to talk to you for just a little bit on this idea of the priest. And again, I hope it'll, it'll bring some, maybe some new things to light, but again, some reminders that we have direct access to, to God Almighty. So I'm going to say this too while it's on my mind, and again, I might say something else in one of these other services. There is so much going on in the world right now that can really aggravate you as a Christian. I was talking to one of the ladies before the service, and I just want you to know, I stopped listening to the news, and I've done it now for, for a, week, a week or more. And even your conservative news uh, places, Epic Times and Newsmax, I'm just telling you, the news, if, if, it, if it affects your spirit, stop listening to it. Because I want to tell you something, it's not going to change that you're a Christian, not going to change that you're on your way to heaven, and it's not going to change the fact that we're living in the world, and if I can say this worldly sense of what's going on, and it's a bunch of nonsense as far as what's going on. And as a Christian, I don't think you have, but it's not a matter of taking sides. And it's not a matter of being a Republican or a Democrat. It's a matter that I'm a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, I don't agree with what's going on, and there's no sense me living an aggravated life. If I was listening to the news all week long, you wouldn't like my preaching this morning. Okay? So I'm just telling you, I haven't listened, watched the news, and so if I say something that's a current event, it might be from two weeks ago, all righty? Because I'm just not going to let affect my spirit, because I would be mad at my wife, at my children, and if I had a dog, I'd be mad at the dog, all righty? because this is so ridiculous as far as what's going on that people cannot see. But it really, it's the God of this world, the devil, he's in, he's in control of this thing as far as the manipulation of it all. But the, the good thing is, is God's the one that allows and he's the one that says, okay, I'm gonna allow it a lot. And again, we could go to lots of Bible stories on that and we're not gonna do that now, but I hope that this morning when you come, that you don't come angry because I don't really have, a, I don't have a message for you to encourage you through what's going on right now. I have a message that I think the Lord has for us today. But again, I, I hope that you're not defeated or discouraged in your mind. I, I know how this thing ends. Amen. So if, if, if they want to call, if I say they, if the devil, he wants to cause trouble in our world right now, it's not going to change the fact he's going to the lake of fire forever. It's, it's a done deal. All right. So thank the Lord for that. Okay. We're in Leviticus 8 this morning. I want to pray first. I hope that you'll pray in your heart. Ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us be in church. Again, fill us with your spirit. God, may you be evident this morning. And Lord, with all the chaos going on around us, what a wonderful thing to know that our name is written in heaven. We're gonna be with you forever. Now, Father, would you please use the, the scriptures and the thought and the lesson, Lord, in our hearts and lives. Again, we'd be a better Christian uh, because of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Church, I look at uh, Leviticus chapter 8. Here's what he says in verse number 1, Leviticus 8, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a beast, uh, I'm sorry, in a basket, excuse me, and a basket of unleavened bread. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip away if you don't mind. In, first of all, verse 3, And gather uh, thou all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 4, And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Verse number 5, And Moses said unto the congregation, This is the thing which the Lord commanded to be done. Not, now notice the word commanded. God wasn't saying if you want to. Verse 6, And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them uh, with water. Uh, verse 7, And put upon them coat and girded him with a girdle and clothed him with the robe. Verse 9, and he put the mitre upon his head, also upon the mitre, uh, also upon the mitre, even upon his forefront did he put the golden plate and the holy crown as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 10, and Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein. Verse 12, and he poured the, of, of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head. Verse 12, and anointed him, why? To sanctify him. Jump down in verse number 33 now, end of the chapter, verse 33. And ye, the priests that are being consecrated, and ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And how long? Until the days, seven days, until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall he consecrate you. Now, church family, I'm going to, uh, when I get to the end to the lesson, I want to talk about just a couple things first. But at the end of this lesson, I want to talk about the consecration of the priests this morning and what God did, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10 of Leviticus, what God did with the priest as far as consecrating them. Now, church, we understand that a priest is, is, like a, is like a go-between, all right? So, for instance, okay, I'm going to pretend for just a moment that I'm a waiter, all right? So, if I'm a waiter and I have your food and I bring you the food, I'm bringing it from the kitchen to you, but I'm bringing it from the restaurant. I'm the, uh, the restaurant itself. I'm the go-between between the restaurant and the patron, all right? That's exactly what the priest was, all right? The priest was the go-between between God's people and God himself. We understand that the tabernacle was the portable place of worship that had much significance and illustration and picture and shadow uh, or allegory, however you want to say it, of what the New Testament is, okay? So just like, uh, again, in a restaurant, the waiter is the go-between, so the priest was the go-between between the God, God and God's people. Now, let's pretend for just a moment here this morning, let's just pretend that the pulpit up there represents God, all right? Obviously, we can't see God. But let's say that that represents God. So what would happen in the Old Testament times, the tabernacles, the Shekinah glory of God would come down. There were two parts to the tabernacle. What part of the tabernacle did God come down and sit on the mercy seat? What part of the tabernacle? All right, the most holy place or what was called the Holy of Holies. All right, that's where God came down. The tabernacle is in the center of the camp. All right, north, east, west, south. You had the children of Israel encamped and the tabernacle was the center. We talked about that last week is that the tabernacle or the church... And when we talk about the church, we're with Christ. He's the head of it. The church ought to be the center of your life. All right? And so many times we make us the center and then the church is just a piece of our life. Where God was in the center of the camp, he, he was, God should be the focus. Amen? Amen? Are you all with me so far? Amen. So you have in the tabernacle, that's where God, and God wanted to be able to meet with his people, but they had to have a go-between. All right? The go-between was the priest. Uh, they would come, I, I'm sorry, I should have put a picture up, I guess, this morning, but in the tabernacle, they would come to the tabernacle court with their animal, sacrifice. The first piece of furniture they came to was, let's test your memory. What's the first piece of furniture? Brazen altar. They would slit the throat of the animal, shed the blood. That was the sacrifice. It was a picture of the cross. You can't get to God except going through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, glad I'm saved. 
they leave the, t- they leave the brazen altar. The second piece of furniture, which was not inside the, t- the tabernacle itself, what was the next piece of furniture? The laver. It had water in it for their feet and their hands, and they would, the priests would wash themselves before going into the tabernacle. When you went inside the tabernacle, you had the golden candlestick on the left, you had the altar of incense directly in front of you, you had the table of showbread on your right. All three a picture of our Christian growth. Table of showbread is a picture of the, the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now think about this, church family. This Old Testament picture was about getting to God. And I'll tell you something, you can't get to God unless, first of all, you're saved at the brazen altar, and you're not going to get to God unless you're cleaned up at the laver, all right? You get inside. How do we get to God? It's part of that, that table of showbread as far as eating the bread of life. On the other side, the left, was the golden candlestick. The golden candle picks is a picture that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 12, he says the same thing about us. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why should we tell people about Jesus Christ? Because that's about you getting closer to God. Amen. You say, I thought, I thought being a witness for Christ was about keeping people out of hell. It is, but I'm just trying to tell you that in the Old Testament picture, us being a light, us being a witness for Christ, allows us or causes us to get closer to God. All right? Then you had the altar of incense directly in front of that veil. And the altar of incense was a picture of what? Church family, prayer, picture of prayer, the altar of incense, the incense would go up unto God. It's a picture of our prayers to God. Every Christian ought to pray, and every Christian ought to pray every day, and I'm not talking about just over your food. We ought to, be, we ought to talk to God. We ought to talk to God about ourselves, our family, and others. But that prayer was another thing that allows a person to get closer to God. Now think for a moment. I know this is elementary, but there was a thing called a veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Once the priest would go into the most holy place, he went in one time a year on the Day of Atonement, and he didn't go in without blood. And he would go inside that, that uh, Holy of Holies, he'd sprinkle the blood, he'd come before the mercy seat, and he would confess his own sins and the sins of the people. And he was the priest, he was the only one that could come into the presence of God. How many is glad you don't need the preacher to get into the presence of God? We don't, have to, we don't have to have a priest, we don't have to have a preacher, we have direct access to God if you are saved this morning. How do we know that? Because in the book of Matthew, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says that when he gave up the ghost, that the, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Amen. What's that a picture of? I've got direct access to God. Amen. I've got direct access to God. Now, think now for a moment. Jesus Christ was, is the true picture of the high priest because I, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the mediator between what? God and man. So in other words, I've got access to God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He is the mediator. He is the priest. He's the go-between. The Bible says that Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding for us. In other words, he's a representation for you. All right? Hey, listen, I'm glad he claps because I want to tell you, that'll make you pretty excited that Jesus intercedes for you. The very Son of God cares about you. All right, so, so Jesus is our high priest. He's the go-between. You know, when we um, have mail sent to our house, that mail is sent because there's a sender and a person sent to, and it doesn't get to you unless there's somebody that brings it to you. You know what that's called? It's called go-between. When you go out to the mailbox and you open up your mailbox and you open it up and there's mail in there, it didn't get there by accident and it didn't, didn't just didn't go poof, didn't magically appear. It got there because somebody brought it to you. You know what the mailman is? He's the go-between. He's the go-between to the person who wrote the letter, put a stamp on it. He's the go-between to you as far as the one that's being, it's being delivered to. It's the go-between. Now, church family, this morning, I want to talk to you 
Yes, Jesus Christ is the priest. He's the high priest. He's our go-between between God. But I want to talk to you this morning about the idea of you being a priest. If you're saved this morning and you're on your way to heaven, it's what we call the priesthood of the believer. And you ought to be a, the kind of priest God wants you to be. And by the way, there's different things that we represent, just like the sender, sending it through the mailman to the person being sent to, just like the restaurant, sending the food to the patron, uh, just like the uh, ambassador for a country. That ambassador is not the country. He represents the country that he is, and he's going to another country. He's the go-between. You know what we do as priests? Number one, again, I'm just mentioning these things. I'm going to talk about the priest for a second. But we are a go-between when it comes to witnessing. People are dying and going to hell. And because they're dying and going to hell, we're supposed to be a witness. Amen. I'm reading a book right now, and that's probably why several thoughts come to my mind. But one of the books I'm reading is by D.L. Moody. And uh, D.L. Moody gave, gave several instances. Some of them were personal instance, instances that he had given, and other, uh, other instances of this book I'm particular, re, particularly reading was about other people. And to be honest, I can't remember if this was about him or somebody else, but D.L. Moody said this. He said, there was a fellow that wanted to give up on life, and he said he just thought there was no sense that I was supposed to be here any, anymore. Now, this is, a, I say a true story. This guy, this is D.L. Moody telling the story. And he said that this man, he went to bed one night and he had this dream. And when he had this dream, the dream was explained like this, that he had went to heaven, had this dream that he had died. He went to heaven. And when he was in heaven, uh, whoever was with him up there in heaven, I don't think it mentioned, but the person who was with him said, hey, listen, uh, look over the edge. And he looked over the edge and saw earth. And he saw these people that were just blindfolded and they were going into this precipice, almost really the lake of fire. They were going down into hell. And, uh, and when he awoke, he said, you know what? That changed my life. He said that particular dream, and I'm going to tell you all the details of the dream, but the dream was simply, in his mind, is that he thought he wasn't worth anything. There's no sense that he was living. And then when he got to thinking, all these people who are blind, by the way, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world had blinded their eyes. When he got to thinking that there are people who are blindly going to die and go to hell, he decided there was something worth living for. Now, church, I mean, we have to keep that focus in our mind that the priesthood of the believer is for me to bring people to Jesus Christ. I'm the go-between. Jesus Christ died. He says, you're an ambassador for me. He says, as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm supposed to witness to people. I'm supposed to share my faith with people. I'm the, pri the priest. I'm bringing people to Christ. I'm the go-between to try to get them to Jesus Christ. That's one way of being a priest. Church, I mean, another way of being a priest is this idea of prayer. When it comes to praying for others, all right? Church family, I wish I could say that every day of my life, I pray for every member of this church, but I'd be lying if I told you that. But I'll be honest with you, it's one of my priorities every day of my life. I pray for myself, I pray for my family, I pray for my extended family, I pray for friends, I pray for the church family. I've just, it's just uh, every day of my life, I wanna, I'm gonna do my best to make sure that I pray for you, I'm gonna pray for your children, I'm gonna pray for you by name because that's the priesthood of the believer. Part of me living as Christ is he said, pray for one another. This is not the message this morning because I gotta keep going, but I wanna tell you something. You need to start somewhere, okay? You need to start with a model prayer because the model prayer is about you, all right? Now, whether you do the JBS prayer, I do the JBS prayer because I think it's about us too, but you need to start with a model prayer every day of your life because he said in this fashion or after this manner, pray ye, all right? Pray for yourself. The, whole, the entire model prayer is not about anybody else but you. Alrighty. But beyond the model prayer, you ought to be praying for your wife and your children. You ought to be praying for, uh, you ought to be praying for people that, uh, is that yours? Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's all right, I want to make it It's it, uh, what do you call it, OCD? All right, all right. Sorry about that, I didn't interrupt you there. You're doing okay? You know, I saw that too. 
Did you drop this all the way over here? Does your wife let you get out very often? Is there anything else you want me to pick up while I'm here? Dan always sits on that front row whenever he can be here. He's Fort Scott, right? That's where you all live, Fort Scott? Where's McHugh? Pittsburgh. All right, I'm sorry. Where did I get Fort Scott at? I don't know. All right, whatever. So he travels and, and works, and if ever he's near here, he comes. And so anyway, I appreciate him very much. He was the one that put those glasses up on the platform. How many was here that night that that happened? I was so embarrassed. But you put pink tape on it, didn't you? All right, so he put glasses on the, on the platform. He put pink tape on them. Well, I didn't know who did it because nobody put a note with it. But... How many's got an idea that I don't like the color pink for a boy, all right? So I didn't know, so I threw them across the auditorium. They were his glasses. And I didn't know it until I went to go pick them up during the service, and I thought, no way. So, but he came back, so praise the Lord for that, all right? Unbelievable. I don't know why he did, but anyway. Mrs. Flory, that is the prettiest pink. You notice it's a woman that's wearing the color pink? All right, good. Amen, good. All right, all right, good. All right, did I get sidetracked or did I get sidetracked? All right. Okay, so again, this idea of being a priest, we ought to try to pray for one another, okay? Now, this morning, I want to look at Leviticus chapter 8, 9, and 10. I only got a few minutes to do it, but I want to look at Leviticus 8, 9, and 10. And this is interesting to me. I want to show you how God consecrated the priest and how it applies to us, all right? So look at your Bible again. I'm going to pick it up in this first verse, the verse, last verse we read. Leviticus 8, verse number 33. And ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation for seven days until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall he consecrate you. All right, and of course he says the same thing a little farther down. Now, just show me this idea of consecration. Now, let me explain it. It's the act of separation <clears throat> for sacred use. It was the dedicating of a person to the service and worship of God. Consecration did not make somebody holy. It just separated them for a particular office or for a particular duty, just like the priest, all right? So for instance, the priest was not holy because he was consecrated. Consecration just separated him for his position or for the job that God had called him for, called him to do. But church, I mean, God has called you. You say, well, I'm not supposed to be a pastor. No, but wait a second here. You're a Christian, and as a Christian, you are separated for God's particular use, all right? Now, this morning, quickly, I don't have that time, and I think they're in your lesson, but I want to go through the five things that the priest had to do in order to be consecrated, and it's the same five things that we're supposed to do in order for us to be consecrated, all right? First one is this, all right? Let's look back at your Bible again. In Leviticus chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, all right? Now, we're not gonna, we can't do an exhaustive study, but Leviticus 8, verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. But you're saying, we read the first few verses already. God didn't just say, if you feel like it or if you want to. He commanded this to happen. And here's the picture I want you to see. Uh, let me ask you the question in answering the question, in answering the statement I want to say. Which tribe of the children of Israel was separated for God's service when it came to the priesthood? The Levites did. God said, instead of me taking all the firstborn, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to take one tribe of the children of Israel, and that as a tribe, if you're born into the Levite family, you're mine. If you're born into the Levite family, I've chosen you to be mine. Now, think for a second, church family. 
if the Levites were chosen, and that's the Old Testament, the New Testament picture, ye have not chosen me, John 15, 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus said to his disciples? Yes, sir. Okay, so church, I mean, the picture here is you, didn't, you did not get saved because you chose Christ. You got saved because Christ chose you. Now, we got to be real careful, and I, I say we don't have to, but a lot of people want to condemn us. Well, God already knows he's going to be saved and predestination. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Because for God so loved the So he has given the opportunity for everybody to be saved, but only those who accept the invitation. We had the marriage uh, here yesterday of Landon and Cassandra, and Pastor Blaze, which is Landon's pastor, he came and gave the charge or gave the devotion. I, I was impressed, to be honest with you, because I really liked the invitation, I'm sorry, I like the uh, illustration that he used in his charge. He said, we're here for a wedding today. He said there were invitations sent out for people to come to this particular wedding, but not everybody came. And church, I mean, is that not a true picture of salvation? There has been invitations sent out to an entire world, but not everybody's going to accept the invitation. But I'm just trying to tell you this morning is you're here because God draws all men. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. In other words, you are saved and drawn because of the Holy Spirit of God that brought you under conviction that you were a sinner needing a Savior, and you accepted the invitation. Amen. So what the, the, the idea of pre, the priest being consecrated is he had to be chosen. I'm looking at the Sunday school hour this morning, and I would, in my mind, would think that you're all saved and only God knows. But can I tell you, you can't even begin to be a priest or enjoy or do uh, the priesthood of the believer unless, first of all, you're saved. Amen. This morning, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but this morning, I was thinking of family altar. Stacey, you've got to remind me, too. At our next time that we have family altar, which we don't have it on Sunday because of being in church all day, but um, <laughs> and my kids think they get enough Bible in church, I guess, but... But, uh, but we try to have family altar during a week, on, so on Monday evening, uh, uh, we'll still be together, so Monday evening, I got thinking, you know, I need to stop, I need to ask the kids again about their salvations. About every so often during family altar, I'll just have them give their testimony, because I can't remember, I can't remember how they got saved, and I don't want them to forget. So, you know, it might be, it might be a year or, or since last time I did it, but I let them sit and just during family altar instead of me reading a passage and going through a, uh, through a Bible story with them. I spend 10, by the way, I spend 10 minutes approximately for family altar. If you've got children, it's not a preaching service for me. It's not, um, it's just the time before they go to bed to think about the Lord. So I, uh, what I want to do is I want them all to give their testimony again because I don't want them to forget the day they got saved and how it, I bet they probably can tell me my testimony better than I can tell them what their testimony is. But at the same token, I was chosen. I was chosen as an 11-year-old boy when the Holy Spirit of God drew me in that Sunday morning service. I accepted Christ as my Savior. You were chosen. If you're saved in here this morning, part of being the priest is that God said, separate me, the Levites. Those are mine. Those are the ones that are going to serve me. Can I tell you, you were chosen. I'm thankful that I was, I was able to be raised in a Christian home. I heard the gospel at a, little, uh, at a younger age. I'm thankful for all the things that God... But, you know, the most important thing about that is I got saved. And there are kids that are raised in Christian homes that they're not saved. It's important for us to know that as well as our children go. So, first of all, when it comes to being the priest, you need to be chosen. You've got to be saved. Second of all, look at Leviticus 8, verse number 6. Leviticus 8, verse number 6. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons, what's the next three words? And washed them with water. Just remember, the priest had to be clean. All right? He had to be clean. You know, uh, 
I, I believe in physically being clean, okay? When I came to the church years ago, we, year, I'm talking about years and years ago, we had years and years ago, we had people in our church that thought their children should only take their baths once a week, okay? Now, this is not Little House on the Prairie anymore, okay? <laughs> We've got church tomorrow, I guess I have to take a bath. Take a bath every day. You know, when you all get quiet like that, you make me nervous, okay? Brush your teeth, wear deodorant, comb your hair, all righty? You know, it's funny. The Laos world, they glamorize the body, but then you've got Christians who can't even clean their bodies. Okay, God bless you. You know, this is crazy. I, I be honest with you, I can't comprehend that. I don't know how I got it inside of me. My wife's a clean person. I'm a clean person. But we, you take a shower. You get clean, you get clean all right? You wear deodorant. You brush your teeth, you know? You know, if we could just say amen, I could go on, all right? <laughs> okay, thank you. Now, we talk about the physical body, but can I tell you, church family, the, the parallel to this is our spirit. God wants us to be clean on the inside. I wish I had time to go to all the different passages about this. But Psalm 119.9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. All right? What does he tell us in John 15, verse number 3? Now ye are clean through the word. What does he say in Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse 25 through 27? By the washing of the water of the word. Can I just tell you that as a Christian, you need to be clean. How do you get clean? Read the scriptures. It's the soap. It's the soap. Amen. It's the water. It's what causes us to be clean. You know, a person that is ever struggling with any type of sin, it doesn't matter if it's uh, pornography, it doesn't matter if it's with gambling, it doesn't matter, whatever type of sin a person is dealing with in their life, I always tell them the first step, if they're saved, the first step is you've got to get clean. And the only way you're going to get clean is being the Word of God. So the more scripture I put in, the more dirt gets out. All right? So again, as a Christian, what's the picture here for the priest? If I'm going to be the go-between, if I'm going to tell people about Jesus Christ, if I'm going to pray for others, if I'm going to be able to get to God, can I tell you what's got to happen? I've got to be clean. Look at the next thing. Uh, let's see here. Leviticus chapter 8, verse number the wrong reference on that. Jump down to verse number 12. Verse 12 says this, Leviticus chapter 8, verse number 12. It says, and he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head, and what does the rest say? All right, anointed him, exactly right. All right, sorry about that one, fixed my, I had verse 6. All right, so in verse number 12, he says that he was, he anointed them with the anointing oil. Church family, the oil is a picture of what in scripture? New Testament. Holy Spirit of God. So can I tell you, if I'm going to be the go-between between God and man, if, hey, listen, church family, my wife needs me to pray for her. My children need me to pray for them. You, and if I say you, me, but really all of us, we need to pray for one another. Can I tell you something? I cannot bring somebody appropriately to God unless, first of all, I'm saved, and second of all, unless I'm clean. And third of all, I'm going to have a better chance of getting them to God if I'm filled with the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. How do I get filled with the Spirit of God? It's amazing. We go back to point two. Be filled with Scripture. The more Scripture I put in, the more filling of the Spirit of God, the more I'm going to have, be able to bring somebody before God as a priest. So they, they were anointed. Look at the next thing. Look at Leviticus chapter 8. Look at verse 33 again. All right. Leviticus 8, verse 33. And ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall he consecrate you. All righty. I'm going to stop because of time. I can't read all these verses. But the idea of the priest was this. Aaron, your sons, come here. We're going down to the tabernacle. Oh, and by the way, 
uh, you better bring your sleeping bag because you're staying there. And you're going to stay there for seven days. So he would come to the tabernacle, and they stayed inside the tabernacle for, se- for a week, the week of their consecration. You know what the picture is? It's a picture of separation. I'm going to separate from people. I'm going to separate from things, and I'm going to just be with God. Now, church, uh, turn, turn over. Let's read this verse real quick here. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You there? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Jump that direction. Let me read this verse so you can see it. 2 Corinthians 6. All right. In 2 Corinthians 6, look at verse number. Hey, church, I want to I read the end verse and then come back and read the other verses, okay? But look at chapter 7, verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1, the first phrase. Having therefore, what's the next two words? All right, so the promises are in the previous chapter, at the end of the previous chapter. We'll look at that in a second. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting what? Holiness, Holiness in the fear of God. All right, so if I'm going to be separated into God, what must I do? Look at, I'm sorry, look at verse 14. Be, be, not there, uh, be ye not unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. Unbelievers all right. Uh, and again, there's a lot of parts to that. I'm talking about close friendships, talking about marriage. And I can't, be, I can't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an, with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Now, here's the promises, by the way. I will, as mentioned four times. As God hath said, first promise, I will dwell in them and walk in them. Second promise, I will be their God. They should be my people. Then he says, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye, what's the word? Sayeth the Lord and touch not the unclean thing. Third promise, and I will receive you. Verse 18, and, it doesn't say I, but it says, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's why verse 7, chapter 7, verse 1, having therefore these promises. In other words, let's get clean because we've got the promises of God about these various things. Now here's what I want you to see this morning. Just like God separated the priest for seven days, it's a picture of our separation. Listen, church family, we have to realize because this is not our home, I cannot get attached to this place. I can't get attached to a house. I can't get attached to a car. I can't get attached to a job. Because this is not my life. I I have eternal life. This is a speck of life compared to eternity of life because this world's not my home. So can I tell you, we have to separate from that. We have to not let that have control in our life. It cannot cannot stranglehold us because this isn't me. This isn't mine. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm not a child of the devil. And church, I'm going to listen. Some of you work with some of the sweetest people on on this face of this earth, but they're lost. Some of you work with some of the most moral people, but they're lost. Don't be blinded to the sense that they're just like you. They are not just like you. You're from two separate families. You're a child of God. I cannot do what everybody else does. I'm supposed to be the priest of the believer, and part of being the priest of the believer, I have to separate myself. Now think now, again, I don't have time to teach it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5 he didn't tell us to get out of this world because you're still going to be with fornicators and idolaters and all that kind of thing because we're living in this world. He said, if they're a brother, don't do that. But he says, listen, you're still part of this world. We're not supposed to isolate. All righty. So the idea, though, is I cannot become what I'm around. I'm supposed to have separation. All righty. Church, I mean, we're living in a day that no people do not. And people don't want preaching on separation from the world. But it's very clear, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
And I'll preface again, there are no perfect Christians, but a Christian ought to strive to be more like Christ. Amen. Right, so again, separate, being separate. Last of all, is this in uh, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Leviticus chapter 10, verse number 1. Again, 8, 9, and 10 go together. Leviticus 10, verse number 1. And Nadab and Abihu, who are these? These are the sons of Aaron. Took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Now, church, I mean, what was the strange fire? The previous chapter, look at chapter, uh, the last verse, chapter 9. And there came a fire out from where? Before the Lord and consumed upon the altar, the burnt offering and the fat, which went all. Now, church, I mean, here's what happened, okay? Are you okay so far? Okay. I've already talked to the pastor, and he told me I could go a couple more minutes, all right? So just letting you know, all right? We'll be okay. Um, Church, I mean, do you know the tabernacle was where they brought their sacrifices, but what, what started the tabernacle, what initiated everything, was fire came down from heaven, and then that fire was to never go out, never, those coals. So whenever they needed a fire, they were supposed to scoop full coals from the fire. Now, they could add fuel to the fire, add wood and things like that, but that fire was to never go out. You know what Nadab and Abihu did? They offered strange fire. You know what strange fire was? They went and, they went and kindled their own fire. They rubbed their own little rocks together. They lit, lit, lit their own match and said, oh, we'll just use this fire. God killed them. You know why he killed them? Because they didn't do what God commanded. You use my fire, not your own. Are, are you with me so far? Amen. So the idea of a priest, again, this falls into the overview of the priesthood, is that we're supposed to be yielded to God. Nadab and Abihu were not yielded to God. They were doing their own thing. You know, it's amazing to me. There are Christians who you care about your family, you care about church family, you care about people, but you're not the go-between that you ought to be because here you're trying to minister to people and God's there and you can't minister properly because of maybe one of these areas. Now, you're saved, thank, thank the Lord, but you, you're not yielded, maybe you're not clean, you know, maybe you're not doing uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit of God, maybe you're not separate from the world. Church, I mean, God wants to use you. And as a priest, we should be used of God, all right? I'm going to show you one last thing, and, here's the, and I'm done, all right? Look at your Bible again, Leviticus. I want you to see what happened here. All right, look at Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9. The last phrase of verse number 4 says, For today, last phrase, chapter 9, verse 4, For today the Lord will appear unto you. Look at uh, verse number 6, chapter 9, verse number 6, last phrase, And the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. Look at chapter 9, look at verse number 23. Look at the last phrase in verse number 23, last phrase. And the glory of the Lord, what, what happened? By the way, it doesn't say priest there. You know why God showed himself to the children of Israel? Because there were, there, because there were priests that were consecrated. Church family, the glory of the Lord would never have shown itself if there were not representation, if there was not go-betweens, if there's not somebody that was doing what God told them to do, there would have been no glory of the Lord to be seen. Now, I'm looking at an auditorium this morning, people who've claimed to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I'm just telling you, you should be consecrated as a priest so that you can be the proper go-between. You know, the one thing I don't want to happen in my family's life is I don't want to be the cause for them not seeing God or God doing something in their life. You know, brother and sister Dylan, Mrs. Dylan, how long have you guys been church members here now? 13 years at least? Whenever I pray for Mrs. Brother and sister Dylan, I always pray for Corey, Matt, Adam, and Emily. Every time. 
can you, can you wait just a second? I'm sorry. The pastor went over. I'm the pastor. Okay. You know, there's not a time I don't pray for Corey, Matt, Adam, and Emily. And I haven't talked to them in years, but I want to tell you something. I might not ever see them on this life, in this life, on this earth, and I know her children are all over, over uh, geographically, but I can still be a go-between. You know, a Ashley Nearing, she's about head number five. It's going to be a girl, right? It's going to be a shock of shocks if it's not. Church, I mean, Joshua, Nick, Nehemiah, and Jackson, they're awful small. But I want to tell you something. I might not be able to go over and help Ashley with the kids. It ain't going to happen, by the way. <laughs> but I can help her with the kids every day of my life by being a priest. Amen. I'm just saying God needs you. Brother Mooney, how long have you been members here now? 19 and a half years. If you weren't able to come to the wedding yesterday, it was neat to see Landon and Cassandra get married have their first kiss. It was, hey! Sorry. It is 1026. I'm going to take one more minute, okay? You all with me so far? All right, I'm, I am done. I'm just done. I just wish you'd think about this, how important you are. Yeah. Now, we're going to have and we're going to know for sure, but I have no doubt that the reason Brother Mr. Mooney are still in this church after 19 and a half years and that they're first of four got to walk down an aisle pure and clean, got to get married, and she's going to go work in a church with her husband. I have no doubt that the reason that it happened is because there's a bunch of priests. He said, well, Brother Stramuni are good parents. I, I agree. They only have one father, only one mother. But you're telling me, our kids, our church family needs some priests to bring them before God, and you're not going to do it properly if you're not consecrated. Not consecrated. When the brother and sister Cornwell, when uh, Shelby um, got married, they, she was here yesterday, Shelby and Zach, uh, they, they asked me, should they take Shelby, when they were doing the prayer, bowl, prayer uh, list for the new year, should we take Shelby off since she's no longer? I said, no, she's still part of the family. Keep praying for her. It's the priesthood of the believer. So really this morning, I don't know if you're winning people to Christ or trying to tell people about Christ or if you're praying for others, but I understand this one thing. If you're going to do either of those appropriately and, and effectively, you've got to make sure you're consecrated. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Father, thank you for letting us be able to look at your word and